We live in longing for the transcendent, don't we? You know, you might, um, you might have been young once, and maybe now even in your older age, uh, have this same longing. You know, we sit on the beach and we watch the sunrise, right? And it catches our breath. We lie on the hill and we stare at the stars. And we gather together and we listen to beautiful arrangements of music. And it awakens a, a longing inside of these moments is this uh, longing for great, beautiful realities that sometimes feel so far away from us to come close. Our hearts, you know, burn with the wrestling. There must be something more. And, and I want to experience that. I want to know that. I want to be close to that. For me, for me as a 14-year-old boy, this is lying on the water tank, a concrete water tank at a mate's house, just looking at the stars in the middle of the night. Right? And it's like, what is going on? <laughs> right? There's, there's a longing for transcendence, for the transcendent to come close. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, has this incredible uh, series, a sci-fi fantasy series, um, and one of the books is called Perilandra. And, he, and uh, the main character, Ransom, is um, kidnapped in essence and taken to space to fly to another planet. And... Uh, C.S. Lewis writes about the way he uh, experiences space. And I want you to listen to this. It's just a little short section, but um, listen to the way that this character sees space from outside of Earth for the first time. In the nights, which he could create by turning the handle of a door, he lay for hours in contemplation of the skylight. The Earth's disk was nowhere to be seen. The stars, thick as daisies on an uncut lawn, reigned perpetually with no cloud, no moon, no sunrise to dispute their sway. There were planets of unbelievable majesty and constellations undreamed of. There were celestial sapphires, rubies, emeralds, and pinpricks of burning gold. Far out on the left of the picture hung a comet, tiny and remote. And between all and behind all, far more emphatic and palpable than it showed on earth, the undimensioned enigmatic blackness. And uh, he, the main character spent weeks and weeks traveling across uh, space just in awe of the majesty of this greatness. And, and what is it, right? I, I think that a part of that uh, experience, a part of that experience for, for us, for humans, is this longing for the, to, to comprehend and to understand the, the transcendent. And to have some connection to it. Maybe that whoever's responsible for this incredible uh, world out there can help me make sense of this messy, complicated world in here. And as you, as you walk through life, as you begin to search, you, you can't seem to find that sort of transcendence in anything on earth. Or it's really harder to see. You learn, as, as Solomon learned through the book of Ecclesiastes, that everything is vanity and it's full of weariness. You search and you search, but nothing renews for long enough. Things glint and glimmer. From a casual road trip, smoking pot, to a failed marriage, a derailed career, a lonely house full of fancy objects, nothing really captures us. Nothing grips us like we want. Nothing on earth really captures it. And, and where we end up is we end up looking outside of earth to the heavens. 
wanting, right, and longing for the someone behind all of this, all of this beauty and this terror and this wonder to come to us, to help us make sense of it, to help us to know how should we live? What are we to do with this life? And what we really long for is the transcendent to come down from heaven to earth. So where do we see this? Is, is this biblically true? Is this something that Matt dreamt up late one night after some sangria? Or, or is this actually a biblically true reality, right? Where do we see this picture in the Bible? Well, how about we start on, on page one, right? Where do we see the transcendent on earth and among earth, among the people of earth, the space where heaven and earth meet? The Garden of Eden, that's, the, that's the, the picture, the space where heaven overlaps with earth and there is a, a relationship, there's an interaction where the Creator God is in relationship with His people and He walks with them, right, in the cool of the evening. And what happens there? Well, we choose self-reliance, right? We turn away, we choose to be our own source of truth and life and we separate ourselves from God. And humanity is removed from the garden. Right? There was a moment, there was a time where heaven and earth uh, were, were connected, were in relationship, where God was close to his people. There was a time, and we chose uh, for that, we chose to turn away from that. We chose to remove ourselves from that. And, and what's the story of the Old Testament? The story of the Old Testament is that God continues to pursue humanity. Despite our sin and our self-reliance and our pride, God continues to come after us. Countless stories of God coming after His people. In His mercy, God wants to dwell with us again. Right? Isn't that an incredible mercy? God wants to be present. He wants to redeem us. He wants to redeem His people and make His world right again. Now, how does that happen? This is really important in, in understanding biblical history. How does that happen? What does that relationship look like? Because in the Garden of Eden, it was so clear. God shows up and he walks with his people, right? The relationship, the space where heaven and earth met was so clear. But it seems to take a little different form in the Old Testament, doesn't it? Throughout um, the, the calling of his people, of Israel and, and making them a nation. And, and that journey, the picture just looks a little different. So how is, that, how is that interaction primarily expressed in the Old Testament? The place where heaven meets earth. Like, how is that expressed? Well, in the Old Testament, the primary expression of that's the temple, right? The space where God interacts with His people, where heaven and earth meet, that, that is the temple. And throughout Old Testament history, that's, that's where people come to make sacrifices, to atone for sin. That's where priest, uh, priests performed rituals and ceremonies. And, and most significantly, that's where God dwelt. Right? So for God's people, the temple was this incredibly significant building, this structure that, that held so much of that reality for them. This is the place where God dwells. And you read the Psalms, you read the prophets, and they talk about Jerusalem. They talk about the temple with such um, awe and reverence. And, and we, as modern readers, we look and we're like, 
I don't really, I don't really get that. I don't really associate with that. I mean, that's cool. What's with the Zion thing? Like, what's this language about? And there's this whole reality uh, that an Old Testament Jew uh, uh, held that we don't really hold uh, quite as much anymore. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Psalm 65.4 The temple was a key meeting place between heaven and earth. There's one other, one other picture I want to um, uh, impress upon us before we jump into the text. Um, the, the, the other symbol that I want to add into uh, the mix for us is the, the symbol of fire. Um, the, the fire in the Old Testament was one of the key symbols for a particular moment when heaven and earth met. Right? Like when, when they met, when God came to dwell, when God came down to dwell with his people... There would be an image of fire. That would be one of the symbolic pictures uh, that you see through the Old Testament scriptures, right? The call of Moses. What happens? It's a burning bush, right? God appears to Moses in a burning bush to, to commission him to go and call his people out. And, and Moses, particularly on Mount Sinai, what happens? God comes down and he descends on Mount Sinai in fire, right? Exodus 19. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And then look at the, the um, establishing of the temple. In 2 Chronicles 7, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. So we move into the New Testament. We move into uh, uh, Christ's uh, coming with these images in our mind, don't we? That's what we do, right? Because we're, we are faithful with God's Word and we understand context and we're able to read into the New Testament the beautiful realities of the Old Testament. So Christ comes and He comes and becomes the final sacrifice for sin through His death and resurrection. He ransoms us back to God and offers us forgiveness and righteousness so we can stand before God. And, and during His crucifixion, Something happens in the temple, right? The curtain tears in two. And we don't really hear that much about it. It sort of just sits in the background. It's this little comment there. And it would sort of like, oh, what, what's going on there? And then Christ ascends back to heaven and leaves his followers with a promise, right? And then Acts um, unfolds. He, he makes the promise, right? And this is what we've been talking about. He makes his promise. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And they wait, and there's this feast called Pentecost, right? So Pentecost is a, a, one of the annual feasts uh, that the Jews would gather together for. So Jerusalem was packed, it was crowded, it was four to five times the size of what it would normally be. There were Jews from all over the known world that would come and gather in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And what, and what happens um, the Holy Spirit comes and He descends in fire. What's the picture? Do you see the connection that we're making here? That the same thing that's been happening throughout the Old, the Old Testament, right? This isn't some 
Uh, this isn't like some sort of expression of the Holy Spirit's personality. This isn't some like sort of comment about the Holy Spirit being a little fiery. No, this is a, a rich symbolic picture for God's people about the way that God, what, what it looks like when God comes and dwells with his people, right? When the glory of God comes down to dwell amongst humans. Only this time, what's the difference? He doesn't come down over a building, over a, over a central space in the camp. He doesn't come down and dwell over a building. He comes down and he dwells in humans. Like, does that not just blow your mind? <laughs> when you think of the God of the Old Testament, is it not unfathomable that, that, that this would happen, right? That Jesus would come and he would redeem his people and he'd say, wait, there's one more thing that I've got for you. And he returns to heaven and God comes down in the power of the Holy Spirit and in fire and he dwells in his people. The holiness of God, of the creator God coming to dwell inside of his people. <laughs> to what ends, right? Like what's going on here? Well, the ongoing redemption of his people and his glory throughout the whole world. That's been the plan. Folks, it's been the plan throughout the entire Old Testament and it continues through into the New Testament. The Spirit proclaims the gospel at Pentecost, right? So Jerusalem swells with Jews. The Holy Spirit comes in power and, and there's this incredible uh, moment where, where um, Jews, visiting Jews, begin to hear um, their language, their dialects being spoken. And the Spirit... Um, continues God's redemptive plan, right? So the plan always throughout the Old Testament was always to my people and then to the ends of the earth, right? Like God's redemptive plan to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. What's happening at Pentecost? To the Jews first, gathering Jews hear the gospel, they hear the news of Jesus, they receive the Spirit and then they go back, right? They go back, the, the, the Feast of Pentecost finishes, they go back throughout the known world, right? That's not a coincidence. It didn't just like happen. This is God's plan for redemptive history, right? Oh, there's a bunch of Jews here. Now would be a really good time to unfold the next chapter. Maybe let's now be a good time to start the church, right? So a bunch of God's people, the Jews, hear the message and they return uh, to their own parts of the world. And then the, the church begins to unfold through the picture of uh, in Acts. So what, what, we come here to Acts chapter 2, right? Uh, uh, verses 42 that we just read. Now, can you see the picture that is being established here? This, this incredible picture of community, of, of fellowship, of harmony, of generosity. How do we respond to that in light of the, the previous uh, uh, experiences in Acts? Well, it makes sense, right? That's exactly what you would, we would assume that would happen, that would look like. It's exactly how you would assume that people are operating if you understand the prior experiences correctly. This isn't, this isn't a wild, different uh, chapter here. This isn't like a, like, wow, where did that come from? It's like, well, no, that makes, that makes entire sense. If we understand the significance of the Spirit coming and the, the significance of this fire and, and the temple. This is just the next Logical conclusion for what the church looks like. So let, let's just try and tie a few things together and we'll dive into each of these verses. The church. Talk about the church. The church is the people of God. 
The church is the new temple, right? Like in the Old Testament, the temple was a building. Where God dwelt was in a building. Where God dwells now is in his people. So his people are the place where heaven and earth meet, right? Like we become this meeting place between God and the world. This is the picture of Acts 2. It's what it looks like when heaven and earth meet, right? Like you read these verses, of course it is. This, of course, this is what it looks like when heaven and earth come together. God's people living by the power of the Spirit in harmony with one another, committed to one another's mutual encouragement, working for the redemptive good of their community. This is heaven on earth. You see the, the incredible majesty here, but also the incredible challenge. We are God's temple this morning. We, we here are the place that God has chosen to dwell in order that the, the world might see and know his presence and his power. Are you living in that reality? Is that, is that how you understand yourself? <laughs> is that how you understand your faith and your, your position? Let's have a look at this. Acts 2, verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Are you devoted to God's word? Is it like bread to you? And is your relationship to God's word that I can't get through today without thinking about God's reality? You know, without washing myself in scripture. You know, without it, I just, I feel like I'm shriveling up, right? Like I feel like that hole in my stomach when I haven't had breakfast and I'm running on like a long black and it's just like my whole body's like I'm hunched up. And I can hardly sit up straight, right? Is that what God's word feels like for you? Let's be a community, right? A, 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 let's be a temple, a, a community together that treasures teaching, that values what our, our pastor does for us in faithfully stewarding God's word. Right? Let's be a community that engages in deep discussion and, and wrestles together. Let's be a community that submits to godly leadership and one another and honors God's word amongst us. Are you regularly and actively engaged in community with other believers, fellowship? Are you walking out your faith? Are you known? Do people know you? Like, do they really know you beyond what anyone could find on your uh, public online profile do, do people really know you is there a handful of people that know what you're afraid of and i don't mean like like clowns or or carousels i mean i mean like your your deep fears right like being afraid of being abandoned or your your health failing or god not being able to redeem a part of you are you knowing? Could you, could you honestly say, yes, Matt, I am known. There are a handful of people that know me this morning, that know what I am genuinely afraid of. Can you say that? Let's be a community that's actively engaged with one another, that's known by one another. You might say, Matt, I've tried that before and, and there's been a whole bunch of brokenness there. 
And I think I'm, I think I'm okay with that. And I'm saying you are not okay. It, it is not, you are not going to be okay. For the, for, the, for the thriving of your faith, you need community. You need other believers. You need to be connected with God's people. Are you uh, regularly sharing meals with others? The breaking of bread. When you gather together, do you eat food together in remembrance of Christ and his sacrifice? Is, is, he, is, is Christ the deepest mutual bond that you have with others? Is his sacrifice the bedrock, you know, the, the rock bottom of mutual enjoyment? Is that, is that the connection that you have? And prayer. Do you, do you regularly pray with one another, with other people? Do you cry out to God? Do, do you praise Him? Do you thank Him? Do you celebrate? Do you walk with Him in prayer together? Do you take all of those other, you know, the, the previous components and do you, do you walk that out with God in prayer? Verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Let me say it again. You are individually and we are corporately the meeting place between heaven and earth. Is that, is that, is that is starting to sort of work its way into your thinking this morning when you, we think about Acts and you think about the picture of Acts and how your life could look, how your faith could live out to those around you? You are and we are corporately the meeting place between heaven and earth. We don't come to meet God here, like in this building, right? Like this isn't like this little floor space isn't the space where God comes to meet with you. Does that make sense, right? This is possible to do in another location, on the oval or standing on the street, right? Or in your car with a couple of people, right? Do you understand that you and us, we are corporately the meeting place? So when we gather and we sing and when we pray together and we encourage one another and we fellowship together and we cry together, we can experience the transcendent glory of God among us because the Spirit of God, His power and His presence dwells in us. So maybe, like maybe just maybe we can raise the bar a little bit in terms of what we expect God to do and what we have faith for, for what we're asking for. Of him, we don't have we don't have a building that we look at to see the presence and reality of God among us. Like, do you see the picture in the Old Testament? Right, you would you would come out of your home and you would go to the temple. This building represents what the picture of God dwelling amongst us. Right, I wake up and I look out my window in the morning. I see the temple and I remember God dwells with with man. Right, that God has chosen to dwell with His people. We don't have a building that we look at. What do we have? We have one another. Do you see that? You see the richness of that? Right? You see that the, the kind of fellowship and community that we get to experience now because God dwells inside of us. God dwells amongst us. So lean into that. Like in community, 
In, in fellowship, let's be asking one another, please talk to me about where God is bringing redemption and renewal. Talk to me. I want to hear it. I want to see it. I need you to put that on the table for the sake of my faith and for, for the sake of our faith. Why would we do Restoration Sunday? Because we, we want to hear, where's God at work? Where is God moving in this community? Where is He redeeming? Where is He restoring us? You know, one of the things that often dulls our sense of awe? Well, we're so mentally cramped and physically committed that we've just run out of memory and capacity to see and enjoy the work of God. Like, let's just slow down for a second. Can we, can we just stop? Right? So it's like, well, Matt, I go to church. Yeah, but are you even present? Are you even here? Like, are you here this morning? Or is there something else? It's like, oh man, that thing, like that, that, the lawn, I mean, it's been growing all these weeks. And just, if I don't mow it this afternoon, it's going to kill me, you know? Are you present? Here, are you present on a Sunday morning, but are you present throughout your week? Are you present with other people? Are you with them? Or are you just a little spaced out? They look you in the eyes, but you're not really there. I'm, I'm sort of already over here on my next thing. You know, it's a, there's a good nod there, and I'm actually moving past this really quickly. Do you, do you feel a sense of awe in your soul? Are you captured by awe? Right, when you have a, a conversation with someone else who loves Jesus and someone else who has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, and when they talk to you about how Scripture is at work in them and how God is speaking to them, do, do you feel a sense of awe? Are you just in awe of that? You, you may need, I don't know, you may need a Matt's remedy. You may need a moonless night, a sky full of stars, a long fire, a little scripture, some honesty, a few others, and a little whiskey. All right, but that's not for everyone, but that it might be for some of you. It's a little controversial, Matt. And from that awe, are you ready to give generously to all who have need at a radical cost to yourself? Do you see the connection there? Like, look at, look at verse uh, 43 again. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. What's next? And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You see the connection there? Be committed to others flourishing in their faith. The picture here, the picture in Acts is not at all unreasonable considering the reality of what was happening. This is the temple of God. This is God's people at work. What do the Old Testament prophets keep coming back to, right? What, what do they keep coming back to for the, for the children of Israel? Your lips honor God, but you are, you are not loving each other. The people are ignored. The, the poor, they, they are neglected. The sick are neglected. Justice is not being lived out. You are, you are, we are God's temple. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
send a runner for the kids. God's temple is for the good of the world. Right? Like, like let's, let's just make sure that's radically clear here. Uh, God's temple, that, that understanding that we are God's temple is really good for community, for us as, as believers. We are His temple. Together, we are His temple. Are you committed to the needs of one another? Are you committed to each other's needs? Well, I don't even know what they are, Matt, because I don't even know anyone. <laughs> okay, there's maybe somewhere to start, right? Are you committed to one another's needs? Are we committed to each other? That's just a start, though. That is just a start. God's temple is for the good of the world. God, by the power of the Spirit, dwells in us that we might continue His redemptive plan for humanity, right? For Jerusalem, for Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It wasn't just for Jerusalem. It wasn't just for the Jews. It wasn't just for a, a small section. It was for the, for the earth, to the ends of the earth. The point of the temple was to be a, sim, a symbol of God's longing to dwell with humanity. So if that was the point of the temple then, what do you think that looks like now? The point of us, we, His temple, carry on that responsibility that through us, God's redemptive plan to restore people to himself might unfold. That through us, the world might see and know God's presence and power. Right? Through us here, the world might see and know his presence and his power. What does that sound like? What does that look like? For, God, for, for the world to know us. And to see us and, and through us to know the power and presence of God. We long for the transcendent. We long for the one outside, right? Outside and above us to come to us and make sense of our lives. And we have received it. With the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? When, when you were saved and you were sealed with the Spirit, we have received the transcendent one, right? The, the, the one above has come down to be with his people. And not, not in a building away from us, but inside of us. God has come to us to live with us, to walk with us, to comfort us, to guide us, to convict us, to make for himself a people for our renewal and for the good of the world. Right? For, for our renewal, for our, our thriving as a community and for the good of the entire world. For, for the good of us moving towards other people. So the, the band can come up. And as we move towards communion this morning, I wonder how that sits with you. I, I, wonder, uh, I wonder how you think about this. If you read through that scripture again now, I wonder how that sits with you. You think about that this glorious reality. This picture in Acts, this is the picture of God's temple. Living as they ought to. Right? It's like there's nothing unusual here. This is exactly this exactly fits with the picture of what's happened beforehand. I wonder how that sits with you. Maybe you're uh, maybe you're not really that moved. Maybe there's a little apathy or pride or ignorance. 
And that, that is robbing you of growing in this. You're, you're happy with your comforts. You're just happy with the way that your life is. And, and, and you want God to just continue to fit in around the life that you've made for yourself. And maybe, that, maybe that's you. Maybe it's like, look, that, that looks like a really cool picture, Matt, but that's not possible today. That's just Acts. That's the early church. Things were cool then. And uh, I think life's going pretty good for me now. Or, uh, or perhaps you think about this reality. You think about all of us here as God's temple and you just don't think that that could be you. You know, like, yeah, maybe everyone else, but I just don't really, I can't really imagine that for myself. You couldn't imagine the holiness of a sovereign God coming that close to you and that close to your mess, right? You think about the picture in the Old Testament of God's temple, right? And, and priests that would dishonor the, the purity rituals and be consumed, right? They would die. That's it. You think about that picture and it just, maybe logically you can get there, but you can't get there in your heart. I, can't, I just can't imagine the glory of God dwelling in me like that. And there might, there might be a misunderstanding of your, your new identity. Or there might be some false humility. What would be fitting for us to do today? Well, in some sense, it would make sense that we would do today what the people of God have always done. Teaching fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, right? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. So we're going we're gonna to break the bread together today. Well, actually, it might be pre-broken. So don't, uh, don't, don't get me on the technical uh, foul, but we are going to remember Christ together. It would be really fitting for us to receive God's word to remember who we are, to enjoy right fellowship, to enjoy and love one another, to look to Christ's sacrifice together, the breaking of bread, and then to pray. Let me, uh, let me lead us into communion with um, Isaiah 52. The Old Testament prophets, right, there's, there's just a longing for God's restoration. We, we keep wandering away. God keeps coming and making covenants with us and coming and restoring us. We keep wandering away. And you see this again in, in, in Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Right, God is returning to his people. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Right, so God is coming to redeem his people. Now, if you know this section in Isaiah, you know what's coming. How does he do that? How does God ultimately come to redeem his people? Well, behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. 
As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, for that which they have not understood, uh, sorry, for that which they have not heard, they understand. And he's talking about Jesus, right? He's, he's prophetically talking about the coming Messiah, the one who will be bruised and beaten and ultimately he would die for the redemption of his people. So you might be, you might think about the reality of God's indwelling Holy Spirit and you might be indifferent. And it's, it is my prayer this morning that the picture of Christ breaks you, that it cuts you, that your apathy and your ignorance and your pride is, is, is just devastated, that you look at the picture of Christ, right? The one who has the power to ultimately redeem you, the one who restores you into community, right? That there's a little bit of awe that comes back for you. Or you might look at the picture of, of uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit and you just, it's, I just, I can, I can hear it, Matt, but I can't really see it. I just pray that the, the picture of Christ restores you, that it redeems you, that it draws you in your brokenness to the cross where Christ renews you, where his blood covers you, where he makes you clean, where he restores you to a family. Where you have stuff to bring, right? Where it gives you gifts to contribute. So we're going to pass uh, the, uh, the elements around today. We're going to take communion together. So one of the things that we're going to do, if, if you're, um, if you, uh, I'd love just practically, if you've got any space between you and the next person, if you'd love to slide together in the aisles. And we're going to take communion uh, as one, as the temple of God, as is in you know, the people who, who God dwells amongst. So as we take around the elements, I invite you just to take a couple of minutes and remember the sacrifice of Christ. Would you examine your heart? You think about the scripture today. Think about this picture of the early church, the, the uh, temple of God, the Holy Spirit coming to dwell inside of his people. And examine your heart. How do I respond to that today? And ask that He would renew you. The Holy Spirit would speak to you. He'd speak to where there are, there are parts of your life that are out of line with this. Where, you, where, you, um, where you're not that devoted to teaching. You're not that, you're not, you're not that really committed to Scripture. Or to other people who don't really um, have that much room in your heart for the church. Oh, it's just another night out in the week, right? It's too much work. Let's take a moment and let's, let's just sit in silence and ask the Holy Spirit to examine us.